everybody that's here tonight. Uh, glad to have you there on, a, on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, uh, any of those different platforms that we have there. Be sure to like, to heart, to share uh, the posts also. There's a little bit of ringing. So I don't know what we're doing there. I may have had it too high. Um, I think they get it. Uh, then also we have our phone live streaming. Uh, welcome to those who are listening on the phone live streaming there. Uh, if any of those are not working, please be sure to uh, let us know. Send us a text or send us a, a comment on one of those that, that the other is not working. Uh, but be sure to, do, to follow us there on Facebook. You'll get the live uh, feed every time we go live as well as subscribe on YouTube. Hit the little notification bell. That way you'll get that every time also. So be sure to, to do that. And then also don't forget... Um, that on Twitter, we also are on Twitter, so you can retweet uh, there uh, also. Uh, if you would go to our church website at HighlandBaptistChurch.com, uh, it's under the info tab there that you can download the worship bulletin, so be sure uh, to get that downloaded. Uh, it has all the upcoming activities for the week there. Uh, also be sure to get uh, the children's worship bulletins that go along with Sunday services. If you need the paper version, they're in the windowsill over here, but you can download those also. You can send the link to anybody that you want. And then also uh, you can get uh, today's uh, prayer list. Uh, so be sure to get that and get that downloaded uh, so that you can be able to follow along with our, our prayer requests uh, there. And uh, we also have a handout on the kings of Judah, the kings of Israel. So be sure to get that if you need that also. I think that's all the things I have right now. We'll get to the prayer requests in a little bit. If you do have a prayer request, be sure to share that in Facebook because that's where we'll be looking uh, at the live feed for those. So, Brother Mike, if you'll come. Okay. We're not going to sing Wonderful Grace of Jesus that Pat just played. We're going to sing 329, Grace Greater Than Our Sin. And we'll do all three of those verses. Miss Pat? Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outward, there where the blood of that is greater than all our 
marvelous, infinite, matchless grace freely bestowed on all who believe, all who are longing to see his face. Will you this moment his grace receive? Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sins. So hopefully you were able to get to the website there to get you a prayer list uh, downloaded. Let's see if I've... Facebook continues to change things, and so it's harder for me to find where we're at live there. <laughs> so um, hopefully you've got that prayer list downloaded. I did forget. Uh, to mention to you that uh, you could also do your online giving there uh, on the church website. So be sure uh, to take the time and do that also. Uh, if you go to the far right-hand side on the church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com, click the Give Online tab there, and you can be able to do your online giving there. So pull this over to the side so I can see your comments. Uh, so if you're there on Facebook, be sure to give us any of those prayer requests, and that way we'll have those throughout the service. Um, I don't know that I have a lot of updates on individuals. Uh, I've been out of pocket the last two days. Uh, we had, uh, Christopher had his last uh, visit with the orthopedic surgeon uh, yesterday in Louisville. Everything's good, great with the bones, everything's healed great, so he's done with that. Uh, he does still have some weakness in that leg, and she told him some some one-legged exercises to have to do, uh, so that'll help to strengthen some things there. But other than that, she said he's great and do anything that he used to do. She said, just don't ride a motorcycle. <laughs> so that's what she said. But uh, she sees a lot of guests of injuries uh, with motorcycles. So uh, that's, that's his situation there. Um, as we look at the prayer list uh, on the HBC family side, uh, I'll just go from the bottom up and up towards the top there. Uh, if you know of any updates, we'll pause there and share any of those updates. But Donna uh, Adcock, uh, who has breast cancer, Miss Bernice Cox, uh, who has some uh, dementia uh, issues, Cindy Jordan, who's still in a lot of pain. It's probably going to be several, several weeks and months as she recovers from her six broken ribs uh, that she has. So remember her in prayer. <coughs> uh, continue to remember Bertie Davis uh, in your prayers. As well as Steve Connor. Anybody know update on Steve with his? Seemed like he's doing good from everything I'd seen too. So, yeah. Uh, David Hess. Uh, continue to remember him as he goes through uh, his chemo. We did remove Jim Hess. He had asked us. We told us we could remove him uh, last week. Want to remember Jack uh, Doubt? He's got an upcoming visit with a surgeon. So. Uh, then he'll know some more about what their next steps are, so keep him in your prayers. Diane Tatum, she's recovering still from her back procedure, mostly just getting strength back and those kind of things. The pain 
Uh, she told me Sunday is gone. Uh, she's not having any more pain uh, in her back, and so we just praise the Lord uh, for that. Uh, remember uh, Mark Raymond in your prayers uh, with his back issues. Uh, also, Myra Watson, uh, Brenda Gilbert. Brenda actually was here this past Sunday. Uh, Myra was here the Sunday before. Uh, and then also remember Kim Saunders, Rosalie Moore, uh, Miss Beverly Daniels. Anybody have an update on her? Arthur Hargrove. Uh, Mike Durham, Vicki Boswell. Uh, Charles Saunders has been coming. Um, he still has some issues with his voice. It kind of comes, it goes. And so just pray for him with that uh, as, as he uh, continues to pray about things he might uh, begin involved in uh, through the church too. So. Uh, but his, his voice is good sometimes and not others. So, and then SW and Carolyn Stone uh, also. We've added a couple to the list. Uh, Kyle Copeland, uh, this is a friend of Brian Tate's uh, with some medical issues. Carrie Williams, we've had her on there for uh, COVID, strep, and mono, but she also has, she's anemic uh, is the other thing I was trying to remember. She's anemic, so remember her uh, in your prayers. And then also Faye Gold, Stacy. Uh, who had some medical issues. This is Sherry Yates's uh, sister. Yes, okay, good, good. So she went home yesterday. So we praise the Lord for that because she was very touch and go in the hospital there for a while. Um, any others that we need to mention as you look through the names there? I can tell you that Dennis McCulloch, who is Samantha's uh, brother-in-law, he, uh, he is uh, gonna be having surgery I believe it's next week uh, that he's going to be having surgery from the stroke uh, that he had. There's something they've got to do with relieving some pressure or something there uh, on his brain. So be, be in prayer for that as they do that next week also. Yes. Okay, so Steve Maybe, uh, who is on our prayer list there under the friends and family side, uh, he's going to be having a PET scan on Friday and then following up with the physicians to see what the next steps are. So just be in prayer for him uh, as the chemo did, uh, did do quite a number uh, on him. Uh, right above him is David Wall. I'll give you an update on David that he has been moved from the ICU at Vanderbilt but is now at the hospital down at Winchester in, in in-house rehab. Uh, there, so remember him uh, in your prayers. Uh, he's filled in for me several times uh, here. Any others as you look through the list? Any other updates? Any requests there on Facebook? Yes.
Okay, so the, those two, uh, for those online especially, and listening on our phone live streaming, um, is one is Matthew Ratcliffe, uh, who was in a motorcycle accident, is that right? Car accident, about seven weeks ago, and so, uh, he, but he is improving, so we praise the Lord for that, but do continue to pray for him as he continues that, that process of recovery. And then Katie Pugh, who is on our prayer list with lymphoma, uh, she's having a biopsy soon, and it's a very difficult place that they're gonna be doing the biopsy uh, in the middle of her chest there, so be, be in prayer for her as she has that uh, also. Any others? Don't see any others on Facebook, online there. If you're on one of the other platforms, uh, just know you can go there to Facebook and give those uh, prayer requests. You can also send them to our church email at highlandbaptisttullahoma at gmail.com or highlandbaptist.cafes.net. Either one of those will work, and we'll be able to get that request on the prayer list uh, there. Or you can call the church office uh, at our office number there. So let's go to the Lord in prayer then uh, for all these requests and many others that may be on your hearts. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for your grace and your mercy and your loving kindness. Thank you, Lord, for being with us. Uh, thank you, Lord, for your provisions each and every day. We thank you that you hold us and sustain us uh, in your mighty strong arms. Lord, there's nothing that happens in our lives that you don't know about. Uh, there is uh, nothing that you can't uh, take care of. And so we just come before you tonight, Lord, and ask that that you would uh, forgive us of any sin that's in our hearts. Uh, we want everything to be open in our communication with you. So, uh, Lord, bring to the surface in our thoughts and our minds any ungodly thoughts, any ungodly deeds, uh, any things maybe, Lord, that we have failed to do that you've commanded us to do that would be sin. Uh, for he who knows to do good and does it not, uh, it is sin. And so, Father, I pray that we would confess any sin before you, uh, seeking the cleansing of the precious blood of Jesus Christ and asking, Lord, that as we come before you, may you uh, refresh us, may you renew us, may you strengthen us with the power of the Holy Spirit to live faithfully in the truth of your word, uh, being an example in our, not only in our words, but also in our life, uh, showing others the love of Jesus Christ by the very things that we do or don't do. And so, Lord, we just pray for your hand to be upon us uh, tonight. Lord, lead us uh, and guide us, and may your grace be upon us. Father, we pray for each one of these individuals on our prayer list, those that we've updated tonight, those that we've even added, and we just ask God that you would have your divine healing hand upon each and every one of them. Uh, we ask God for you to touch them and to, to just do your mighty work in their lives as you bring about that healing. We know that you are powerful, you are capable, you are able, so we uplift these individuals to you and ask, Lord, for you to just do an awesome work in their lives as you bring about this healing. Uh, Lord, that it'll be a testimony and a witness to the people around them, to their family members uh, of your power, of your grace, of your might. And Father, I pray that we would uh, be able to testify in the days ahead of, of the great and mighty work you're doing as we've even heard tonight. Thank you, Lord, for how you've been working in, in many of these people's lives, for the improvements that we see. Uh, but, Father, we know some of these still have a long ways to go. And so we just pray, Lord, that not only will you heal them physically, walk with them through those situations that they're going through and the times that they're in, uh, Lord, to help them uh, one day at a time, one moment at a time, to draw closer and closer uh, to you, Lord, to find their strength in you, uh, even in the midst of the adversity and the struggle that they're going through. And so, Lord, we pray tonight 
uh, that you will just uh, encourage each one of these people in their hearts to let them know that you are with them, that the power of the Holy Spirit is there with them, and let them know in their hearts, Lord, that there are people who care for them, who are praying for them, who are uplifting them even tonight. Lord, may you use us in whatever way that we can to, to be an encouragement to them, to be a witness to them, to share the love of Christ with them. And we just pray, God, that uh, our words and our actions will uh, be used by you in a great and mighty way in, in each one of these individuals' lives. Thank you for what you're doing uh, in and through our church. Thank you for all the missionaries that we are able to support each each Sunday through our tithes and our offerings. Thank you for the work that we support that goes on uh, locally here in our own community. And Father, we just pray that as a church, you will keep us focused uh, on, the, on the days and the weeks and months ahead of, of doing all that you've called us to do, of sharing the gospel with those uh, who are lost. And we just pray, Heavenly Father, for your will to be done. Uh, for your name to be glorified and honored in and through this church, in and through our lives. So use us, teach us your word tonight, Lord, these truths, as we're going to look at the book of Hosea. And I pray that we, as we look at Hosea, uh, may we see where we are as a nation, as well as what we may need to do in our own hearts and our lives of confessing any sin, making sure we're in a right place in our relationship with you. And Father, I just pray for your will to be done uh, through your word tonight. May you bless your word, the reading of it, the hearing of it, and the keeping of it. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So you can uh, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Hosea. Uh, we're going to cover again three chapters uh, tonight. Uh, we did six, uh, five, six, and seven last week. Uh, we're in uh, eight, nine, and ten uh, tonight. And then hopefully next week, uh, we'll be able to finish out uh, the book of Hosea. So Hosea chapter 8 through chapter 10. We're not going to read every verse, of course, so we're going to hit some of the highlights of each uh, one of these. Uh, if you'll remember, let me just kind of summarize where we are here with the book of Hosea because the book of Hosea uh, comes out of the life experiences of the prophet Hosea, the prophet of God. Uh, we're told about his marriage in the first three chapters of this book. Uh, and it's one of the most remarkable stories uh, it, it, in literature, inside or outside uh, of the Bible. Hosea, the prophet uh, of God, we found out, married a woman named Gomer. She turns out to be a prostitute. Uh, as you recall in our study, she left home, uh, left Hosea to take care of the three children, of at least two of which uh, he doubted were even his very own. Uh, she went further and further and further away in her unfaithfulness, in her prostitution, and eventually was found on the slave block. Uh, you'll remember that uh, Hosea's heart was broken. He had gone looking for her, uh, and as he's looking through the community, looking through the places where she would have been as a prostitute, he keeps not finding her. And eventually he's getting closer and closer to the slave auctions and he's thinking no way she could possibly uh, be there. Uh, and so with a heart that was breaking, Hosea comes and finds her there on the auction blocks and, and he pays the price to redeem his own wife, uh, actually pays half price in a sense for her uh, and brings her back into the home again and begins to teach her uh, once again and lovingly and encouraging her in, 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 as his wife. Uh, Hosea's life experience of marriage, we found out, was a picture of what God had experienced with his children, Israel. That his relationship with Israel was an intimate relationship described in terms of a marriage. 
That's the relationship we have as believers. As, as New Testament believers, we are called the bride of Christ. And so we need to remember that, that we are, <clears throat> we are his bride. Uh, we are to be devoted to him and him alone. So out of that life experience, Hosea gets a glimpse, and through him, we get a glimpse of how the heart of God is broken uh, when, we when those who belong to him are unfaithful to him. So the first three chapters are about Hosea's marriage. The remaining chapters we saw, uh, we see Hosea's message. Uh, and we see it in three different sections. In chapter 4 through 7, we saw last week, was Israel's pollution, uh, what sin does, uh, what unfaithfulness to the Lord does to us, and how it really pollutes our hearts, our soul. In chapters 8 through chapter 10, we're going to look at Israel's punishment and, and how unfaithfulness brings punishment. And then next week, we're going to look at chapters 11 through 14 and see Israel's pardon and how God was willing to forgive and to restore and bring them back into a relationship uh, with himself again. So as you think about all this and you're looking at uh, Hosea, if you want to know where Hosea is, find the book of Psalms, the book of Matthew, pop it open to just a little more than halfway and you should be pretty close to Hosea there. Uh, but why in the world are we studying something that happened so many years ago in the Old Testament? Why are we talking about the children of Israel and their experiences? And what does this have to do with us today? That's the questions we're looking at uh, as we go through this study. So there are some spiritual principles that are taught in the book of Hosea that applied then and apply to us today. That they are timeless throughout uh, the ages. They are unchanging. Uh, it's kind of uh, like God's physical laws are in the universe. There are certain physical laws in the universe uh, that are in operation and have been in operation since the creation of the universe. Uh, those applied in the days of Hosea, and they apply in the 21st century as well. So we, we made the example last week that about uh, God's physical laws, uh, that they're fixed, they're unmovable, they're unchanging. But if you try to violate God's physical laws, then you're broken by them. We use that, that example of the law of gravity. Uh, the law of gravity applied in Hosea's day applies today for us in the 21st century. Uh, you, you can go and try to jump off of a building to try to defy the, the laws of gravity, uh, but it, it's not just you breaking that law. That law is going to break you when you hit. And so you violate the law of gravity, and when you do, you're broken on God's law. God's law is unchanging. You violate those laws at your own peril. And the same thing is true we see not only with the physical laws uh, in this world, but the spiritual realm also. There are certain spiritual principles uh, there are, that are of God that are unchanging. Uh, and you really don't break those laws. You violate those laws. And when you do, you're broken uh, by, on those laws. In fact, the Word of God tells us if you've offended in one, it's like you've broken them all. Uh, and so that's what this book of Hosea is all about. In chapters 8 through chapter 10, Hosea is talking about the judgment that is inevitably coming to the children of Israel uh, and and inevitably uh, is going to come to them uh, and, and come to us even today uh, when we dare to go contrary to God's will 
and contrary to his plan. So the first thing I want you to see in chapters 8 through chapter 10, I've entitled it Reap the Whirlwind. You'll find out because that's one of the significant verses that we're going to see in these chapters here. The first thing we see is the coming of judgment, the coming of judgment. So the theme of Hosea is that judgment is on the way. Judgment is coming. Now, I gave, told you about the handouts a while ago. You have the, the kings there of Israel, which is the northern kingdom, the kings of Judah, which are the southern kingdom. And it's in the time in the kings of Israel in the second Jeroboam there, Jeroboam, Jeroboam the second, uh, that we are in that time frame there. So they have been many years leaving, leaning away from the Lord, going away from the Lord, seeking after other gods. The nation of Israel has gone farther faster than the nation of Judah has, but Judah's right on their coattails following the same direction. Instead of trusting God, they've been trusting in other nations. They've been trying to trust in other gods. They've been mixing things together. And so time has gone on. So this isn't just one time and now God's going to bring this terrible judgment upon them. This has been repeatedly after generation after generation after generation. And so he says several things about the coming judgment of God. So look at Hosea chapter 8 and verse 1. Verse 1 begins and says, Set the trumpet to your lips. One like a vulture is over the house of the Lord because they have transgressed my covenant and rebelled against my law. So what you're noticing here, he says there first, set the trumpet to your lips. So he's putting the trumpet to his lips because he's about to give a blast on the trumpet. Now, anytime you read about trumpets in the Bible, we did our study in the book of Revelation and you read about trumpets sounding there also. And, and when trumpets sound, they are a warning many times or, or at least the very fact of an alert that something is about to take place that you need to be at or that is, is fixing to happen with maybe an enemy uh, who's coming. And so he's trying to say that the judgment of God is sudden. Because think of that. Have you ever heard the trumpet sound and you're not expecting it? And somebody gives that blast on the trumpet, it's like, whoa, what? That's kind of the emphasis here. They've been living life. They've been doing day after day, uh, following after other gods. They've been... Uh, turning their backs upon the one true God, and then all of a sudden, the big trumpet sound comes out of nowhere, and they're like, whoa, whoa, what? And so that's what he's saying here, set the trumpet to your lips. In the Old Testament days, the children of Israel in the wilderness were instructed by God to make two beautiful silver trumpets. Now, so often when we think of them blowing on something, we think of the shofar, we think of the ram's horn. Uh, that they're blowing on. But when you go back to the temple, uh, when they were the tabernacle in the wilderness and then the temple later, they were told in the instructions about uh, putting the tabernacle together that they were also to make these two beautiful silver trumpets. The purpose of those trumpets varied. Sometimes the trumpet would be blown and it meant that the people were to assemble themselves together to hear some important announcement. When there were special feast days, these trumpets uh, would be blown. Uh, one occasion where the trumpets were to be blown was to sound an alarm uh, when the enemy was approaching. God's people uh, could have been going about their daily task, uh, going uh, about their daily activities. They would hear those trumpets sounding and the sound would come suddenly. It meant there was an enemy on the way. When you think about what had been going on with the nation of Israel, the Assyrian nation 
is the ones who are coming against the nation of Israel in the north. God was going to judge his own people by using the Assyrians, uh, who were probably one of the most brutal, cruel, cruelest nations uh, in history. In 722 BC, what Hosea had predicted exactly came to pass. And the Assyrians came, and so God is blowing the trumpet here to warn them that's about to happen. Uh, there are about five trumpet blasts in the eighth chapter. He gives the first one in verse 1. Uh, where he says, a vulture is over the house of the Lord because they have transgressed my covenant and rebelled against my law. So because they transgressed, because they trespassed uh, against the Lord, that's the first trumpet. The second trumpet blast is down in verse 4. They made kings, but not through me. They set up princes, but I knew it not. With their silver and gold, they made idols for their own destruction. So he's saying they set up kings, but not, for, but not me. Uh, they, they get leaders without consulting the will of God uh, in the matter. Now, you remember in the beginning... Uh, before they ever had kings, that's what they did. They asked Moses to add, uh, to ask God, can we have a king? They asked Joshua, could we have a king? Uh, and, and so they began to pray. Uh, Samuel uh, was the one who was the prophet at that time. And, and Samuel said, hey, here's what you're going to get. If you get a king, he's going to take, take everything you got. Uh, you're going to have to pay taxes to him. He's going to take your kids and use them uh, in, in work, in labor force uh, for the nation. Uh, there's all these things that are going to happen as a part of that. They said, oh, we want to be like all the rest of the other nations. We want us a physical king also. And so they knew what they were getting into. Well, here, uh, they aren't even consulting God anymore. Uh, they consulted God who, was the, who would be the first king. That was Saul. And then the next king, God sent his prophet to go and, and find David. And then after David, it became Solomon. And then after Solomon, they split into the two, the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom uh, of Judah. And so he says, they set up kings, but not me. They get leaders without consulting my will in the matter. The third trumpet blast is also in verse 4. They made them idols. And so God blows the trumpet. He says, judgment is coming because of your idolatry. In verse 9, uh, he says that you've gone up uh, to the Assyrians. Uh, verse 9 says, For they have gone up to Assyria, a wild donkey wandering along. Ephraim uh, has hired lovers. And so you begin to see the comparison that he's making to what the nation of Israel, an another name for them is Ephraim. Uh, and he says, here's what Ephraim has done. Just like Gomer has gone to her other lovers, Ephraim has gone to her, her lovers. Uh, and so uh, he says, you've gone to the Assyrians. And so he's giving this trumpet blast because they tried to enter into uh, alliances with these foreign pagan nations. In verse 11, he gives another uh, blast because Ephraim had made many altars to sin. Verse 11 says, because Ephraim has multiplied altars for sinning. They have become to him altars for sinning. And so uh, he, he gives that blast there, tells them, here's judgment coming uh, because of that, because you uh, have put down, uh, he, he blows the trumpet and says, judgment is coming because you put down altars that are dedicated to sin. So get this, you understand those altars were built for the purposes of them sinning. So they knew what they were doing. Judgment is coming and it's going to come sudden. So when you go back to verse 1, 
and it says, the trump, put the trumpet to your lips. That's what he's talking about. But then notice what else he says there in verse 1. He says, one like a vulture is over the house of the Lord. Now, some versions use the word eagle there. Probably vulture is, is more uh, the, the appropriate word there. But there's overhead this ominous speck in the sky. Who he's referring to is the nation of Assyria. Like a vulture in the sky, he's saying, it's just a matter of time before Assyria comes swooping down upon the children of Israel and judgment is going to come. And it's going to come sudden. It's going to be a swift judgment. And he tells us why it's going to be that way. Because he says in verse 1 there that they have transgressed my covenant and rebelled against my law. So get the emphasis of what he's talking about here. Covenants were, the emphasis of a covenant was a love relationship. And so uh, what he's saying here is you have sinned against my love when he says you have transgressed against my covenant. And when you have sinned against my law, that's a sin against the law of the word of God. Not only had they broken God's law, but they had broken God's heart. And so judgment was on its way. It's going to be sudden. It's going to be swift. But notice also, when you go down to verse 7, it's also going to be sure. In other words, it's happening. You're not getting out of it. It's coming. It's kind of like when your mama would tell you and you were missing, misbehaving at the store, you're going to get it when you get home. She always remembered when you got home. Well, verse 7 says, you thought she forgot, but she didn't. And God hadn't forgot here. He says in verse 7, and this is where the whirlwind comes in. For they sow the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. So listen to a paraphrase of that. Uh, a paraphrase of that says, planting wind seeds, they'll harvest tornadoes. When you think of a whirlwind, that's what they're talking about here, a tornado. And so he's saying, you're, it's like you're taking and sowing wind seeds... And you're going to reap a tornado. You're going to reap more than what you thought you were getting. So this is one of the most familiar verses of Scripture in all the book of Hosea. They sow the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. What he's saying here is that judgment is coming. It's not only going to be sudden. It's not only going to be swift. But now he's saying judgment is sure. This tornado isn't going to miss and hit somebody else's house and, and go over here and hit somebody else's. It's coming directly for you, Israel, Ephraim. It's coming to you. And, and so he uses in this illustration here of sowing the wind, reaping the world. When notice those two words, sow and reap. He's using that imagery there of sowing and reaping. The law of sowing and reaping is a law that God has planted not only in the physical realm, he's also planted it in the spiritual realm. Uh, you turn to the book of Galatians, uh, and in the book of Galatians, uh, I'll just share with you a few things about God's law of sowing and reaping. Uh, and see what it says in the New Testament here about God's law of sowing and reaping because we need to hear this and, and, and take this to heart because God is giving us a truth about sowing and reaping. Galatians 6 verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. So he's saying there, don't let anybody fool you on this point. You cannot fool God. God knows everything that's going on in your life. Israel, they thought they were getting away with it because God's judgment had not come yet. 
That's so often true for us in this world, in this life. We think, well, judgment hadn't come yet, so it must be okay with God that I did this or that I did that. He says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Verse 8 goes on to say, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So here's the laws of sowing and reaping. Let me just give you a, a, three of those laws. Uh, I've shared some of these before with you in a, in a different message. But law number one is that you reap what you sow. We know that's true in the physical realm. You take an apple seed and you plant it in the ground, you don't get an orange tree or a lemon tree. You get an apple tree. You put a piece of corn seed in the ground, you're going to get corn, you're not going to get mustard greens. That's just the law. You reap what you sow. And so that's true also in our personal lives. You're going to reap what you are sowing right now. Uh, you know, you may have even used to hear people say, well, you know, you're young, you ought to sow your wild oats while you're young. You sow wild oats, you're going to get oats when you're, when you're older. Uh, and young people, let me encourage pe people who are younger, don't sow some foolish seeds of, of wildness. Don't sow the seeds of, of, of social drinking. You know, you hear all the, the different things that people might do uh, in their life that they think, oh, that's not too bad. Social drinking's not bad. Uh, but no, you may reap alcoholism on the, on the other end. And, and so you're going to reap exactly what you sow. That's the first thing. Number two, you reap more than you sow. I mean, think about that. You put a corn seed in the ground, and out comes the corn stalk, and on it comes three, maybe four if you're lucky, ears of corn on that one stalk. You pull that corn shuck back, and what do you find? You find the ear there that, that has more kernels of corn all around that ear. Now, if you let those dry, you let those grow to, go to the point of, of, of finishing their, their process and let those die, you can take those seeds and then plant those and produce more corn stalks so, uh, and more corn. So when you sow a corn seed, you get more than just one seed of corn uh, on, a, on a cob. Uh, and so uh, that reminds us that inside that one little seed of corn are all the potentials and the possibilities of literally ears and ears and kernels and kernels of corn. So the law of sowing and reaping says that you reap what you sow, but you also reap more than you sow. When you think about that in the area of sin, and you think about people, sometimes some in the Old Testament, you think about David. And you remember David's sin with Bathsheba? Uh, you think about that, that he sinned. I mean, David had been living for the Lord. David had been serving the Lord. He'd been humble. The Lord said of him uh, that he has a heart after me. Uh, he, had, he had slew the, the giant Goliath. Uh, he had uh, been following the Lord. And then when he becomes king, when he receives all that power and that prestige, he falls into sin with Bathsheba. Now, understand this. When you think about that and the sin that took place, it wasn't just over when David sinned. It didn't just involve David and Bathsheba. Uriah died as a result of that. And not only as a result of that, the sin continued to produce in his children's lives because they saw what dad did 
and they begin to do some of those same things in their own lives. You know, a lot of people think when they sin, uh, they just sin and say, oops, made a mistake. They wipe their hands, they think everything's all right. It doesn't work that way. You reap more than you sow. It's kind of like the old potato chip commercial, bet you can't eat just one. When you sow an act of sin, you can just count it. You're going to reap more than just one result because of that sin. Now, you can seek forgiveness. You can ask God for his cleansing. But there are still consequences that we may have to live with in our sin. Take, for instance, someone who kills someone. There are, they can still come to faith in Christ. They can trust him as their Lord and Savior, but that does not exonerate them of the, the crime that they committed. They still have to do the time. We don't say, oh, now you've accepted Jesus, we can let you out. Not based on that. There may be somebody who goes through a parole system and, and is able to get out on parole, but they, are, they have to still face the consequences of their sin. That's the same truth for us. We still have to face the consequences of our sin, and the consequences don't just affect us. Remember with David's situation? It affected his children. Did you know in most marriages, that's who gets affected the most as kids? I mean, think about it. The law of sowing and reaping is reap what you sow, reap more than you sow, but then notice this, you reap later than you sow. So a person sins and gets by with it, thinking of the nation of, of Israel here, Ephraim. They thought they had, they knew they had sinned. They didn't think they sinned. They knew they had sinned, but they thought they got away with it. And the devil says, see there, you did it. You got by with it. You can just try again later on. So just because judgment doesn't hit you the moment you sin, it doesn't mean that judgment isn't going to hit you sooner or later. And so some people, even today, may, may be already caught and they don't even know it. They've sowed the wind and the whirlwind is on the way. The tornado is on the way. But because it hasn't come yet, they think, oh, I got away with it. No, you didn't get away with it. You didn't get away with your sin. The Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. You reap later than you sow. So Hosea says judgment is coming. It's going to be sudden. It'll be swift. It'll be sure. Sow to the wind, you'll reap the whirlwind. But see why judgment was coming. When you look back to Hosea chapter 8 again, in verse, a verse here I want to, to touch on briefly, shows us why judgment was coming. Look at verse 14. At the beginning of verse 14, it says, For Israel has forgotten his maker and built palaces and Judah has multiplied fortified cities. So Judah's not out of it either. So the, the punishment is coming for Judah also. But Israel, they've already forgotten their maker. And, and so he says, so I will send a fire upon his cities and it shall devour her strongholds. So that's the reason why it, this judgment is coming is because verse 14 says, for Israel has forgotten their maker, God. Now understand what he's saying there. You can't forget God. You can't intellectually forget God. So, so what does he mean here by the word forgotten there? That word forgotten, when you look at the root meaning of that word, uh, the word forgotten means to mislay or to misplace or to neglect. 
And so what he's saying is the children of Israel, they weren't denying that there was a God. Oh, they believed that there was a God. They weren't forgetting that there was a God who existed. They weren't forgetting that they were in a covenant relationship with God. It, it, it's not that they intellectually forgot God. It means that they mislaid God. They neglected God. It means that they came to the synagogue or they came to the temple there in that day or like us came to church on Sunday, sang praises unto the Lord and then went out Monday and acted as, as if God didn't exist. They left God over at the church and lived any way they pleased the rest of the week. And there are some Christians who do that even today. Uh, there are Christians who think about God on Sunday, and when they get out there in their daily life, uh, they live as if God isn't even in existence at all. And, and that's why people go into idolatry. You know, it's true that, that, that man is incurably religious. It's true that mankind is a lover. Uh, you're going to love something. If you don't worship God, you're going to worship something, and that's a false God. If you don't love the Lord, you'll love something else. And so people neglect God. They mislay God. Uh, they neglect God in their worship. All throughout the week, they worship, uh, whether it's their job, their money, their, their car, their pleasures. They get enamored with all the things uh, of this life, all the false gods. And that's why God says judgment is coming. Look over to chapter 9. And he lays before us the causes of judgment. So he goes into more detail to, to tell us. He's already told us they forgot God. Now he goes in to tell him more details about the causes of the judgment. So look at chapter 9 and verse 1. He says, Rejoice not, O Israel. Exalt not like the peoples, for you have played the whore, forsaking your God. You have loved a prostitute's wages on all the threshing floors. So here they were, he's saying, you've been spiritually unfaithful to God. Just like this woman had been unfaithful to Hosea. You've been unfaithful to me, he says. He's simply pointing out here that the children of Israel were, had been going through a time of prosperity. And, and understand this, prosperity many times is a greater test for the people of God uh, than the days of difficulty are. A good economy is a greater test for the people of God than a bad economy is. You maybe even heard of people who went through uh, the Great Depression. I've know I've talked to some more, some of the older old timers in days past about uh, the days of depression, and and you would think that the days of depression, when that hit, that people would wander away from God. But no, that's not the way it works at all. In the days of the depression, uh, you could find people seeking after God. You could walk through uh, small towns across all the South, and you could hear people praying for their home in their homes. You could hear them praying for their next meal, praying about their next paycheck. Uh, where, where, when there's prosperity everywhere, that's a dangerous time because more of God's people have been tripped up becoming successful and prosperous than they have by being, by being poor and going through hard times. Now, that doesn't mean that being poor and, and being through hard times doesn't mean you can't sin in that too because you could covet what the others have. And so, but when you see God begin to bless a Christian, you ought to start praying for that person, lest they fall in their sin. If they're not careful, they'll get the idea that their prosperity is a sign of the blessing of God. That's what the nation of Israel had done. They, they thought, well, we're prospering. 
things are going okay uh, for us economically as a nation, so God must be blessing us. He hasn't brought judgment upon us yet, but understand that prosperity was not necessarily a sign of God's blessing. Uh, prosperity may be a sign that you're not being blessed by God. Prosperity is not necessarily a sign, as we said, of God's approval. The causes of judgment was because they had prosperity, but they didn't understand that their prosperity was a curse to them instead of a blessing. But it gets worse. Go over to chapter 9, verse 7. The days of punishment have come. The days of recompense have come. Israel shall know it. The prophet is a fool. The man of the spirit is mad because of your great iniquity and great hatred. So what is he saying there? In the days when people have wandered away from the Lord, one of the causes of judgment is they begin to show disdain for those who have a message from God to them. Here was Hosea who was preaching. And you could just almost see the tears running down his face because he's sharing with them what they've done to God, but he's sharing that out of the brokenness of his own heart with his own relationship with Gomer. He's broken in his own heart. His, his own wife had ran off and left him. She was unfaithful and went back after other lovers. He, thought, he, he bought her back for half price. She put herself up on the, on the bargain counter of life, stained and greatly used and reduced in price. And here's this man preaching out of this broken heart. He was preaching to the people, God's judgment is coming just like it came on my wife. He was giving them the causes of judgment. And they're looking at him and they're saying, poor old Hosea, he's just a little off in the head. Isn't it amazing how in the days of prosperity, people despise the message of God. They look down even on the messengers of God. I mean, remember this, Jesus in John chapter 10, we're told this that he said about, uh, he said, uh, he, they said about him, he's beside himself, he's mad. They thought Jesus was crazy. You remember also in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul was standing there giving his testimony before Felix and Festus. And Felix, if you remember in the scriptures there in Acts, said, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your, your great learning is driving you out of your mind. You know, a lot of people today think if you get on fire for the Lord, then you're off just a little bit. It happened to all the great men of God. It happened to Martin Luther. They thought he was crazy. Happened to D.L. Moody. In fact, that was one of the nicknames. They would call him Crazy Moody. Uh, John Wesley, it happened to him. They made fun of John Wesley because he and those who were with him had a passion for the Lord. It's not crazy to be all out for others, though, is it? It's not crazy to be uh, ecstatic and, and, and be all out for your favorite football team. You know, you, you can be all out, 100% on fire, totally sold out to, to your team, and you're just called a fan. But you be all 100% on fire and sold out for Jesus Christ, and they call you a fanatic. So understand this. I'm not preaching about an emotion, cheap emotionalism, not talking about a, uh, any kind of spiritual uh, sensationalism, but I'm telling you that we ought to have a love for Jesus Christ and a fervor for Jesus Christ that would cause some people in this world to say, those people over there at Highland have gone off their rocker for the Lord Jesus. I may be nuts, but praise God, I'm screwed into the right bolt. <laughs> the causes of judgment. Look at the next thing. He paints this picture of Israel. Uh, Hosea chapter 9, verse 10. Like grapes in the wilderness, I found Israel. 
It's talking here about God's favor upon the land of Israel. God's favor on Israel uh, even back when they were in Egypt, just like an old grapevine. Uh, the vine is one of the pictures of the nation of Israel. Uh, on the outer gate of the temple is a golden vine. A vine was uh, the nation's symbol uh, for the nation of Israel. God found Israel in the land of Egypt and in the land of wilderness. And he says down in verse 13, Israel, or Ephraim, as I have seen, was like a young palm planted in a meadow, but Ephraim must lead his children out to slaughter. So in the causes of judgment, Ephraim is planted, having been so remarkably favored of the Lord. But notice what Hosea 10 verse 1 says. Israel is an empty vine. They once were a fruitful vine, but now he says in chapter 10 and verse 1, they're an empty vine. And so here you see Israel's re remorseful failure. They failed to be what God had planted and intended them to be. And so judgment is coming. Prosperity without spiritual closeness to the Lord, that's one of the causes. Despising the things of the Lord, not fulfilling their potential. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the true vine and we are the branches. We are to be faithful to the Lord. We're planted in a pleasant place. Verse 13 says, but Ephraim must lead his children out to slaughter. Who in their right mind? would lead their own children to the slaughter. Nobody. But because of their sin, they cannot even see what they're doing. He's saying that when people get away from the, from the Lord, the ones who suffer more than anybody else are the children. When we look at America, who is suffering the most as a result of our sin? The children. There are hundreds of thousands of young people whose lives are, are horrible on this earth. The family life of America, it's like an atomic bomb has hit it. It's nothing like what it used to be. We are in disastrous circumstances in the families of America. You don't believe that? Look at, look at the foster care system. There are so many more children in the foster care system than has ever been there. Grandparents are having to take care of their children's kids. Then there's so much that's going on in our nation with abortion, child abuse, and even child neglect. And some are even sold into some of the most ungodly things. But then notice finally the consequences of judgment. You see this in chapter 10. The first consequence is in verse 2. It's a divided heart. Their heart is false. Now, literally there it's divided. Uh, that's an interesting word because when people are under the judgment of God because of their spiritual unfaithfulness, it means they are suffering from a divided heart. The word heart there is not a reference to the physical heart that pumps the blood through your body. It's to the spiritual heart. The heart here is used as a reference to the center of your, your intellect, your emotional, and your, your spiritual life. And, and that's why Jesus said, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. And so he says here about the nation of Israel, your heart is false. Your heart is divided. Now, the word divided there literally means your heart is smooth. The word smooth seems to mean that, that the reference here is to smooth stones that were used in those days as, as people would cast lots. 
He's saying your heart has become like a smooth stone. You've returned your heart into a gambling table and you've put God and all your other gods on the table and your heart is like a smooth stone. You're just gambling. One day it's I serve God, next day it's I serve Baal. One day uh, I'm serving the Lord, the next day I'm serving the world. And the reason many people aren't moving on with God and aren't on fire for the Lord is because they have a smooth heart. They're moving from one God to another God. They want to serve Jesus today and they want to serve the things of this world the next. And the Bible says in the book of James, in James chapter 1 and verse 8, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. We need to pray to God that we would have a united heart. Psalm 86 verse 11 says, unite my heart to fear your name. That's where the unity needs to be, towards the name of Jesus Christ, to the name of God. We don't need a divided heart. We need a heart that is focused on one thing. Psalm 24, 7 says, one thing have I asked of the Lord. You remember when the rich young ruler went to Jesus, the Bible says Jesus looked at that young man and he loved him and he said to him, one thing you lack. There's one thing that some of us lack, and that's the personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. When Mary and Martha had invited Jesus to eat supper with them, Martha got all out of joint there because Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 10 and verse 41 and verse 42. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. You remember even the apostle Paul said this. He said, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. One thing, this one thing I do, we need to unite our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hosea chapter 10, verse 5 says the inhabitants of Samaria tremble for the calf of Bethaven. Its people mourn for it and so do its idolatrous priests who rejoiced over it and over its glory for it has departed from them. God was saying through Hosea, I'm going to take my glory away from you. I'm going to take my presence away from you. There's a remarkable vision over in the book of Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 8 through chapter 10 that shows God's glory as it left the children of Israel. In the tabernacle, in the temple of the Old Testament, in the Holy of Holies, there was the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat and the glory cloud would come and settle down over it. It was a visible symbol of the presence of God. But when our hearts are divided and we're spiritually unfaithful to the Lord, God won't dwell in that. He takes his glory away. And in Ezekiel there, Ezekiel saw the glory leaving. He saw the glory lifting up from between the cherubim, the mercy seat, and going on to the threshold of the door. And the next time Ezekiel sees the glory, he sees the glory going out to the eastern gate. And then the next time he sees the glory, he sees it going out to the Mount of Olives. And God wrote across the nation of Israel, Ichabod, the glory has departed consequences of judgment that's what we're facing as a nation as a church but there's one final word a positive word that comes in Hosea chapter 10 verse 12 it's another one of those great verses out of the book of Hosea 
Just like there's a negative side to God's law of sowing and reaping, there's also a positive side. He says here, if you will sow to yourselves righteousness, you will reap in mercy. So verse 12 says, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up your fallow ground, for it is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. And so Ezekiel saw the glory leaving. He saw the glory uh, departing. But here we come to this part, there is still hope. And, and so he, he says, if you will sow in righteousness, you will reap in love and mercy. He says, break up your fallow ground. What is fallow ground? If you know anything about agriculture or about farming, fallow ground is the ground that's been untouched. It's been uncultivated. Uncultivated ground becomes very, very hard. And then it becomes weed infested. And what God is talking about there is the heart. He's saying, if you want to sow spiritual things, if you want to have a better future for yourself, the first thing you've got to do is break up the fallow ground because your heart is hard. Let me ask you this. Has it been a long time since you've wept before the Lord, since you've had a burden for souls? Maybe some ha have a crowded heart and the weeds of this world and the cares of this world have crowded at your heart so that the seed of the word of God can't find that fertile soil. God says to you, break up the fertile ground. Let the plow of repentance begin to plow in your life. Let the Lord begin to use it to break up the fallow ground. Because notice what he says at the end there uh, in that last part of verse 12. He says, for it is now the time to seek the Lord. Not later, not when the judgment comes. Do it now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Hosea. And not only for the example we've seen through his marriage that pictures your love for us, but also through the message. Lord, that you are showing us that we as a nation, we may not think that we're culpable, but being a part of this nation, we are. And so, Father, I pray that as a part of this nation, as your, your church here in this nation, Lord, may we live in such a way that shows people around us the love of Jesus Christ so that they know, Lord, so that they are without excuse when the judgment comes. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to realize that even though the judgment may not have come yet, it is coming. So help us to be prepared. Help us, Lord, to break up our fallow ground of our hearts, to come to you in repentance and in all humility, to seek your face and your will and your guidance. And, Father, I pray that as we do, may we sow unto righteousness, begin living rightly before you, and, Lord, may you change our lives completely around from where it was headed to bring back, Lord, the grace and the mercy and the love to our hearts and our lives and to our nation. And we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining with us there uh, online. Thank you for being there on phone live streaming also. Uh, we look forward to seeing you this Sunday, 915 for Sunday school. If you can come and join us, 1030 for worship. Uh, you're going to receive a wonderful blessing again this Sunday as we continue our walk through the life of Jesus. But we'll see you this Sunday. You have a blessed week. You stay safe.